testes. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to do it. Welcome to another episode of the Beer Opinions Podcast. My name is Pat Berger from Kaiser Tiger and Patty Longs. And with me, as always, is Bruce White of the Chicagoland Beer Tours. Bruce, how you doing? Doing well, man. Enjoying uh, the end of summer here. Uh, beautiful Chicago. Uh, and rocking and rolling. Recovering from our live podcast. Yes. <laughs> I might still be hungover from that. <laughs> it was a good one. Well, we, uh, uh, we are here at uh, On Location at the Dovetail Brewery. Uh, this is Dovetail Part Due. We, uh, we fucked up the first one. Um, <laughs> so we are, uh, we are giving ourselves a second chance here to talk to Bill and Hagen of Dovetail Brewery. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good, how are you? I'm great. Fantastic. Excellent. <laughs> I should mention Bill and, and Hagen are the owners and uh, you know, mad scientists, founders, uh, whatever you want to call it, of Dovetail Brewery. And uh, uh, I appreciate you guys coming back on to give this another go. We had some recording issues, but Sean is behind the, uh, the laptop today, so I think we're going to be good. Yeah. Shout out to Sean. All right. And if we we're, aren't, we're, no one will hear this. So we're very yeah. happy to be back. And <laughs> we're, we're always yeah. we always enjoy talking to you guys. So. Yeah. Thank you so much. And and we're actually for the listeners, we're we're in the um, the second floor. So we're actually with the barrels. The barrels are amongst us. We are surrounded um, by barrels and yeah, we it's uh, a very cool scene. We have a uh, a train track right out the window here. So if you hear a train coming by, that is just authentic Chicago. Yeah. That's for micro oh, yeah. vibration of the of the barreled beer. If we we cited our spot exactly for that. Yeah, if you believe that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't at all. I like it though. You could sell that. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, uh, you know. Well, let's start with a little uh, background and history uh, of of you guys and what uh, brought you together and uh, created Dovetail. Who all wants right. to go first? Um, yeah, I'll go. So this is Hagen. Um, dovetail. Um, Dovetails. Got it. We got to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So so you know what we do here is um, continental European style beers, uh, traditional methods, um, and uh, uh, we uh, uh, Bill and I uh, we're both certified master brewers, and we actually met at uh, in the Siebel Dermans program the the world brewing academy in munich uh we met in munich uh we were taking the the course at uh, at different paces uh, and we happened to meet up over there um that's where our, where our paths co coincided uh and we uh <clears throat> pretty pretty quickly figured out that we enjoyed doing a little uh little hands-on research <laughs> uh, and um r&d R and D, and and uh, uh, we you know our favorite breweries were uh, were the breweries of um, uh, of continental Europe that are, are are still doing things in in very traditional ways. So like the um, say the lager breweries of uh, of Franconia, uh, or the, uh, the the lambic breweries of uh, the Senna Valley, uh, the monastery breweries. Um, you know we. Uh, uh, we we really we really love the beers that that those breweries produce and and we um we, we you know kind of discovered that you know the common denominator between all these breweries even even when they're brewing different styles uh is that they're they're all using in one way or another um very traditional methods like uh decoction mashing or turbid mashing uh Spontaneous fermentation in the case of, of course, in the case of the Lambic breweries or uh, open fermentation, um, uh, you know, long lagering times, uh, things like that. And um, it makes a difference, right? It makes, mm -hmm. a, it makes a huge difference. And then also, I think we're the only uh, uh, other brewer that uh, either one had ever met that thought a 12 hour brew day was a good, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, or longer, right? or longer, in the, in the case of last Tuesday. 
probably the strongest argument against decoction is the 12 hour brood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. but yeah, there, there is a, a little uh, controversy around it because there's a lot of brewers that will tell you it doesn't do anything. Um, yeah. And uh, I do f- feel that it does. I mean, there's, you know, the beers, the, the breweries that do it, it, there's just, there's a characteristic, a complexity to their beers that you just don't see, you know, that that's rare and unique. Uh, you know, yeah, we we obviously agree, and yeah. uh, and to to any brewer that that believes that, I would say uh, travel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Travel yeah. and drink and drink on drink in situ. You know, because uh, there, there's nothing like there's nothing like like the easiest example is like go go to the basement of Pilsner Urquell, where they where they still excel the basement the cellar. You know the. Let's caves. go there right now. Let, <laughs> let's pretend. I'm gonna lock yeah. myself in that cellar next time Man. I'm there. I swear. Yeah, I mean, you, you you try that beer, and that you know they're still brewing it the way they brewed it 175 years ago. They do. They're they're sticklers for brewing it the exact way it was brewed. Yeah. And I mean, I you know we all know my affection for the beer and. I, it makes a difference, man. I mean, you know, absolutely. And, and for the few lay people out there, um, shout out to my dad. All right. Uh, can you describe a little bit about that process, the decoction? And am I saying that right? I hope yep. Decoction. Right. Decoction. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> a uh, decoction in its simplest form, uh, you know, so there, you start with the mash, your combination of uh, crushed grain and water. And uh, uh, inside those grains are enzymes that convert starches to sugars, right? And uh, so the decoction uh, methodology is using uh, a boiling portion of that mash uh, to add back into the main mash to raise it to different temperatures to allow those different enzymes uh, to do their job. Uh, So for us at uh, Dovetail, we remove a a third of the uh, mash bring it to uh, normal, which is all the starch has been converted, uh, then boil it, and then add it back in and raise it to the next uh, rest is what we call them. Um, So like most of our products are a a double decoction. Uh, Yesterday we brought back the Pilsner, (laughs) uh, which is a uh, triple decoction. So we'll have that in a couple weeks. Well, we're putting the dick back into decoction. It's actually the cock. <laughs> it's a cock for short. Uh, uh, yeah, and you know, and, uh, you know, some of our, uh, I think well, actually one of our beers doesn't have a cock in it at all. The white. The white is a, is a step mash. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird day. Yeah. <laughs> Short. No, thank you. Thank you for, for, for detailing that out. I think that's, that's yeah. helpful. Yeah. And, but, but, you yeah. know, so, so here's what, what we, what's nice about it is when you, you when you, when you do a decoction, you, um, you know, in the case of our, our process, we have a, a direct fire kettle, which means we've got a firebox underneath our kettle and we blow a huge gas flame into there. And, and we, uh, uh, so, so you, you end up caramelizing a portion of that, that boiled, uh, that boiled mash, uh, and that, that caramelization adds a depth of character. It adds a, it, it adds a, like our own thumbprint to it. Um, and, and there are, you know, the, the, the easiest thing to say about decoction mashing or about against decoction mashing is, is, is that, you know, malts are so well modified these days that you don't need to do it. And you can use melanoidin malt to, to, to simulate the, simulate the, 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 the decoction process. Like, I'm so fucking tired of is hearing Is that your nerd <laughs> voice, by the way? Yeah, it, it is. is. That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a, right. Man of a thousand voices. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm so tired of hearing that because, because decoction is not, a, uh, is not about, uh, it, or mashing is not about you know, like having well modified malts and making uh, you know m- making your process as efficient as possible to you know to to make your beer you know <laughs> as uh, as fermentable as possible as as quickly fermentable as possible as as like as, as quick as possible. So you know it decoction has about uh, I think about seven benefits to it that. Uh, that are have nothing, or you know, one of which has to do with you know, uh, with with conversion of enzymes. 
but you've got this this formation of of melanoidins. In, in the case of our like our double decoction, we're we're actually creating uh, we're creating both free amino nitrogen for yeast health and uh, and um, uh, and and lower molecular weight proteins for uh, for better foam. Uh, we're we're pre-boiling off uh, the precursors of DMS, which is cream corn, uh, cream corn flavor, rolling aroma, rock. aroma, rolling rock, totally. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, we're, and we're pre-coagulating our, our proteins so that we get a nice, clear beer without, without filtering, without having to filter and, and, and remove like the, the, the beauty of like the, the yeast character that you get in an, in an unfiltered beer, but you still have something pleasant to look at. And I'm, I'm holding up our, our Vienna right now, which, which looks like it's a, you know, a, a filtered beer, but it's not, it's, it's nice, it's nice, it's nice and clear. And it has a, has a deep, deep character. Clear beer. That's, it. uh, that's not cool. It's not <laughs> cool. That's not, not what the kids are into. Our, v- our Vienna does not sell out in a day. <laughs> no, no one's, people aren't lining up for our beers. No, not yet. No. But they're having a good time drinking. Yeah. It also doesn't go bad in a day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that's my spiel. Okay. Good. Why don't you talk yeah. a little bit about turbid mashing since we're on the mashing thing. And uh, these are terms that, you know, I think a lot of our listeners probably heard, but maybe uh, aren't that familiar with. Um, and you guys do this for the, for your uh, the spontaneous, spontaneous. Yeah. I don't want to say Lambic because we don't make Lambic. You don't make Lambic. Yep. We're not in, in the Lambic region, right? Yep. We're in the Chicago. Yeah, you make it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we gotta come up with a cooler name than that. <laughs> give, give it five hundred years, and then somebody will figure it Someone out. Someone will figure it out. The uh, the Ravenswood Valley. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. We're deep in the Ravenswood <laughs> Valley right now. <laughs> without without the Metra and the Brown Line, there would be no. Spontaneous fermentation in the Ravenswood Valley. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like the strawberry fields, really. Yeah, yeah. Time to update the beer encyclopedia. All right, but so so, yeah, so turbid turbid mashing. You know, uh, you end up with um, with a wort that is very cloudy, um, and and that's you know thus why turbid mash. Why Hagen? Why? uh, (laughs) Yeah, Hagen. Why? This is what you do. You you. uh, it's it's almost the exact opposite of a of a decoction mash. It's a uh, for for any any uh, brewers out out or home brewers out there. You uh, it's a it's a step infusion mash with draw offs at every step. So so you draw off the cloudy wort at every temperature step, and you reserve that, and you heat it up. Uh, you heat it up to uh, to the uh, beyond the point where um, where enzymes are active, so you denature the enzymes in the in that cloudy wort, and and your your final um, your final wort uh, has starch in it, and 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 the reason uh, that you uh, that you want that is that in uh, in a spontaneously fermented beer, you're uh, you're you are using uh, certain yeasts, uh, you know, Britannomyces. Uh, that um, are able to uh, to ferment uh, starches as well as sugars. So, and your and your fermentation process uh, goes on for you know three three years or more. And and like Britannomyces is is present in that, and it's trying to stay alive. And at, when it runs out of sugars, it's it starts slowly chewing on the starches. Uh, that are left, and when it when it digests starches, uh, uh, it's a little bit like when uh, uh, when Bill Westlink has has uh, a, a nice portion of steak, and it <laughs> puts out a bunch of funky flavors. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I had steak last night. <laughs> I don't think Bill likes that comparison. <laughs> I am uh, not allowed behind the bars sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but what you're saying no, but, is, or maybe the, anymore, I don't know. It's not. No, it's, it, it, the starch. Now I've turned everybody off to our, to our spontaneous. Ooh, our spontaneous come, come drink a beer. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, no, but no, but when it, it puts out these these like these, they're actually pretty wonderful, like fun, ah, funky. Thank you, it's, a, it's like it's like uh, like like uh, um, I, I would compare it, you know, to uh, um, say blue cheese. You know, like blue cheese versus Emmental. You know, like Emmental is like uh, uh, is it, it like lo- a nice lager, and then blue cheese or Stilton. You know, mm-hmm. it, that awesome like funky cheese that uh uh is is a lot like you know like a lambic and that it's got all these different flavors you know like uh you know can, flavors and aromas like leather or 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 you know horse blanket or what you know whatever you know yeah, yeah. that's that in small in small portions makes for a really interesting uh drinking experience and it's a little little bit of a acquired taste but so you're saying those uh, those starches that you know haven't been you know traditionally you're trying to convert all those starches to sugar or something easy for the for the yeast to eat. Yep. Uh, by keeping those starches, you're actually prolonging the, the fermentation process. You're keeping that that wild yeast uh, slowly active for a longer period of time. Yep. With like yep. a different food source. That's right. it. Yep. That's it, and, and that ch- and with, it with takes a kind a of long, a harder food source to eat, which yep. therefore takes longer and takes a long time to yep. for for the for those yeasts to metabolize those those starches, but totally worth it when you get the final product. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I you know, I'm not as obviously as uh, I don't have that much experience with wild yeast, but I have made a couple uh, over at Lake Effect with Clint, and um, you know. The funnest, most interesting aspect to it all is tasting them. So we tasted it last week, you know, and I mean, it's just amazing how it changes. And it's very sudden sometimes, the change, whereas, you know, it tastes the same for months. And then, boom, something happened, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm always trying to bug Clint about, you know, well, what, what do you think caused this? He's like, no, I don't know. <laughs> You just wait, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like if we all knew, I guess we would, uh, you know, uh, try to replicate it. But it's 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 just something that happens. And sometimes it doesn't. Right. That's true. I mean, we just had a uh, we just had a barrel wake up yesterday. Yeah. Uh, or just, you know, 40 feet away from here. And it and all of a sudden there was like beer all over the floor. And and it just whatever is in that barrel decided up. Oh, Time to get to work, and, yeah. And huh. just and this is a barrel that we. How old was the barrel? Uh, it's over in that aisle. It's probably six months old. Yeah, that's, you that's know? amazing. Yeah, it seems like such a contrast to the normal brewing process that seems to be relatively, you know, precise. Um, so is that, as a brewer, is that terrifying or fun or maybe a combination of both? I think it's very fun. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, we don't come up uh, to the barrel loft too much and look at stuff because we don't have a lot of time. Sure. But, uh, you know, I don't think we'd be doing all this if we didn't, we didn't like it and think it was fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just. I mean, that's why we make the beers we make downstairs. You know, like, like that beer is like, or like, like our, our lager beers are like, it's very German in character. <laughs> we know what we're putting in. We know what to get out. That's his German accent. Yeah. I'm one telling of, you, man of a thousand voices. One of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a German colonel. It's <laughs> specific to the colonel rank. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, let's, you know, let's stay on your, your uh, spontaneously fermented program and uh, talk a little bit. You guys just released uh, The Creek, which uh, was delicious. Um, you know, you want to talk a little bit about... Uh, you know how long that took and the process and and maybe what's coming next yeah so the creek it, it is delicious uh still available out there guys don't worry it is still out there uh yeah so that was uh i guess you know, just released that a few months ago and and that beer was uh, july 10th was our release date there you at go at the hop leaf yeah uh yeah. so in total it was about a little over two years that beer took to make uh started out uh we uh, we sampled uh, forty eight of our barrels from the first year of uh, making beer here in Chicago, spring of twenty sixteen. Uh, we got five batches of uh, spontaneously fermented beer in barrels. Uh, it's grown a little bit since then, uh, and of those forty eight, we chose sixteen 
that we thought made a nice blend together. And uh, and then... Uh, How much? So 16... Uh, 16 used is, barrels. So how much? How much beer is that? Like that is, how many kegs of beers? What are three? Sixteen is. Uh, no, you didn't know there was going to be math. Three hundred and three thousand two hundred liters. Uh, kegs. I don't know. That was. Uh, I think. Uh, what we got? We got uh, twenty-five sixtals, five half barrels, and four thousand seven hundred and something five milliliter bottles. Okay. Um, so good, good amount. Good amount. <laughs> yeah, decent amount. I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it was, it was. I think it was about. It was during that spring when we were making this beers when we met uh, a uh, a customer in the tap room that uh, worked across the street at the time, and his uh, job was uh, vegetable and fruit logistics. So he moved uh, fruit and vegetables across the country from farm to warehouse and warehouse to, to uh, you know, supermarket or wherever. Yeah, produce yeah. broker, basically. Produce broker, yep. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, hey, you know, if you guys need anything, any fruit or anything, just let me know. I'll, I'll find it for you. So he said, Joe. He's like, I know people. <laughs> Joe, it turns out we do. We need some cherries. So he uh, he found us uh, some cherries and, uh, and we, we were like, yeah, we need a very specific cherry. Very specific so. cherry, yeah. This is the uh, the Ballatin cherry. Ballatin cherry. Ballatin, yeah, originates uh, from uh, Hungary on the shores of Lake Ballatin or Balatan, uh, in a in a particular town, and I forget the name of that town. But I did meet some people that why, were both born from that town. Oh, why did you specifically need those cherries? What was the characteristic that they were giving? Well, there's uh, two cherries grown in the in the Midwest here. There's the Ballatin. So, sour. And the, uh, there's two sour, sour cherries. Sour cherries, yeah. yeah. And the Montmorency. Montmorency is used uh, primarily for uh, cough syrups and, uh, and uh, cherry pies and all that kind of stuff. And uh, this uh, the other cherry really doesn't have that... Uh, that uh, cough syrup quality uh-huh. has a little bit more of a rich, uh, earthy flavor to it, and uh, so that was more more appropriate to the to the beers we were adding to it. Yeah, it's it's more like a, like a Central European like a Morello cherry. Uh, it, I think it is a Morello cherry, but it or it's it's related very closely related to it. And it has it has. How a, do they taste uh, just on the table? Fantastic. Yeah, Amazing. they're good. Is this tart. like like a like a, a like tart. if I go up to like Michigan? Are these the types of cherries I might get on the roadside? Mostly, you'll get the Montmorencies. Okay, so yeah. so they uh, it's about ten ten percent of uh, cherries grown in Upper Great Lakes are Ballatins, and the rest are Montmorency. Okay, awesome. Yep. So they're yeah they're really they're nice and nice and tart like a nice balance of tart tart and sweet, uh, and they don't have that like cough drop kind of bitterness yeah a little, uh, little darker them. skin when the montmorency yeah. yeah maybe a little smaller even um good uh pit to uh pith ratio <laughs> do you yeah. uh do you have to de-pit them we do now we add uh pits and pith gotcha uh, we do de-stem and uh and de-leaf if you want to taste it at home you go, and like if you go to uh you know go to the store and find like the um European brand sour cherry jam, that's that same cherry. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So so Joe so, found us a, a grower up up in the Lilanau. Yeah. Yeah. That grows the Ballatins and uh, got those. He actually uh, rented a van last year and went drove up and picked up the cherries uh, for us. Wow. Uh, and actually did that again this year for uh, next year's batch of Creek. And uh, yeah, we we got a ton of cherries. Literal One literal ton. literally a ton. <laughs> literal ton. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had a, a, a D uh, stemming party. Yeah, I was going to say that volunteers. Sounds, sounds fun to D stem all of those. Yeah. Well, one, well, was... one ton last year took us about eight hours. Uh, yeah, we had actually some brewers from Mexico in helping us out. We Someone met the night before at Hopleaf, I think. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. And, it's uh, super fun. Yeah. Because, cause, you know, basically, like, Everybody comes in, and we and we and you just end up sitting sitting in circles, you, uh, you know, just kind of 
destemming de- de- the cherries and everybody just talks. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, you talk and it, like we drink, drink some drink, beers, drink beers and, and uh, have a little lunch. And yeah, it was, it's a really good time. It was a, and I think last year and this year was, uh, we, we did it on a Sunday, you know, so. Yeah. Something to be said yeah, for mindless kind of labor. Re- relaxed. It was, yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. It was super fun. Yeah, yeah. This year, uh, two tons only took us 10 hours. And we had more, I think we had more volunteers too. That's awesome. It was cool. You know, and like kind of, People like met each other too, and like everybody yeah. has like similar similar interests. You know, if you're if you're drawn to a destemming party at yeah. a brewery, you yeah. probably <laughs> selecting. Yeah. Good, good chance you'll 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 be friends with some people. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then the uh, the we added the creek to these cherries that volunteers destemmed and sat for uh, eleven months just because we kind of forgot about it. <laughs> we're just we were just too busy to bottle it. Yep, and uh, yeah, put it in bottles and and drank it. Continue to drink Excellent. Any plans on any other fruits to be used? A, oh, yeah. Got a bunch of other fruit going uh, Yeah, huh. right, right now we got uh, raspberries. Thanks to uh, Joe Daniel again. He hooks up with a grower in Michigan. So got some framboise. Nice. And peaches. Uh, peaches. Hagen just oh. got some peaches uh, from yep. his uh, aunt and uncle's tree out in Mount yep. Prospect. Yep. Oh, cool. It's a Mount Prospect peaches. Yep. So, yeah, so it's a foraged. It's a foraged one. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> My neighbor had a peach tree, and uh, you know it was nice. We got peaches every year. He, he had to cut it down; it was diseased. And now uh, I'm using it to smoke meat at home. And uh, I was always a hickory oh, man. Nice. Peach wood, man, it's oh, the yeah, way those, to go. Those fruit really? woods are nice. Yeah. Huh. Oh, it's really nice. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Anyway, oh, man, that's cool. I yeah. digress. Pat, and you've talked about this before in terms of like how when you when you go back to choosing. You mentioned how you choose the barrels and you taste the barrels. Uh, how I, I imagine that process is interesting, and you're trying to predetermine how the blend's going to taste yep. because each barrel would be different. Correct. Uh, how how does that process work? Like how how are, is it kind of gut and I, I assume you can only be so technical in that approach. Yeah, well, you know, with, with this style of beer, we're looking for a certain character. Sure. Uh, and so if we find barrels that have those characters that, or that or, character or. would be good. <laughs> yep. Yep. Not, not bad. <laughs> this one's good. Uh, you guys don't. Uh, <laughs> you guys don't separate them into like maybe uh, different flavor profiles or anything. We've got this barrel is shit. <laughs> this, this, bar- this barrel's all right. This barrel's this barrel's boring. And this, need, bar- this, barrel, this barrel's awesome. I need four boring, two shits, <laughs> and six goods. <laughs> you know, this barrel we're sending to Revlon. Right. You know. Right. I know when I visited Goose years, and it was a long time ago, uh, back when Laffler was in charge of the barrel program over there, and it was mostly BCS stuff, but they were. Um, they had like four descriptors that they would label the barrels under, you know, like this one's honey, this one's coffee, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but you guys are just that's, going. No, to, that's actually, that's kind of, that's kind of what it, what, what it ends up. And it's, ends it's coming up with. down to that. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so there's, um, you know, there's, uh, there, there are different levels of acidity. Um, there are, um, there are different levels of funk, uh, <laughs> there are different uh, levels of fruitiness. Yep. Yeah. Some, you know, you know, different levels of of solvent, uh, which w- which is a is a nice character in very very small quantities. Um, yeah. F- right. Fruitiness and then different types of fruitiness. You know, there's so there's sort of a a, a cidery uh, a cidery quality or um, uh, uh, pineapple. Uh, uh, or tropical tropical fruit quality. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of that. And there's some that are just just very bland. Will you, you do know? like a small blend, you know, like in a pint glass, and sort of go, yeah, we like yep. these proportions. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, that's what we did for the uh, the frambois. Mm-hmm. You know, we only needed four barrels, uh, so we just kind of made a nice blend. And uh, same with like uh, XO two. You know, XO2 was in, in the barrels. I think that was a total of 16, and we ended up using only 10 or 11 of them because uh, the blend just tasted right. Yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, – was, was that the Roush one? No, that was just the, uh, the oh, second yeah, so one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we had that on tap. Yeah. That was very good. 
Yeah, XO one was uh, twenty one barrels. We chose nineteen. Okay. So, yeah. But we hung on to the other two to see what would happen oh. this year. So, getting you can yeah. kind of maybe use those or repurpose those at some point. Potentially, yeah, or, or, or yeah, they yeah. may get better over time. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm getting better with time. <laughs> it's debatable. <laughs> no, okay, thank you, thank you, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, my, my only my opinion counts, guys. <laughs> Uh, so let's move on to the traditional German, uh, the German beer that you were making. Um, yeah. Is I that know, your best accent? Uh, yeah, I'm the man of a thousand voices, but they all sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's bad. Uh, so <laughs> I know, you know, the first time I came in here and saw the open fermenters, um, it was incredibly reminiscent of the small breweries that I had visited in Bavaria. And, you know, I know... A lot of people, you know, when, when you guys first started, out, oh, have you checked out Dovetail? They're like, yeah, they have these open fermenters. That's, what, what the fuck that's is crazy. that? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's going to be terrible. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not an expert, but people do it all over Germany. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be a problem. Well, yeah, well, so there's like there's like 9,000 years of documented, you know, fermentation, and like 100 of them are closed fermentation. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know. Is that the cool ships, right? Is that what they're? No, no, or is no, that that's the, no, uh, no. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. That, that's the. That's those are the fermenters that we have in in primary fermentation. So our first fermentation okay. takes place in these in, in these round, uh, round open open vessels. Okay. And the, um, you know, so so the reason we do that, um, I mean, well, if the the reason that we got interested in it was it was. You know, like same same as you. Like we went we went to breweries over over in Europe, and we and we saw people doing open fermentation. The first thing you think is, yeah, that's 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 crazy. And then you taste the beer, and you're like, holy crap! Yeah, this is this is incredible. Well, it's, they say the yeast is just happier <clears throat> having yep. sort of an open environment, and yep. and you guys are primarily. Uh, you know, how many yeast strains are you guys using down there? One or two? Two? We have right now four. Four. Three. Well, we got that that saison strain too. Oh yeah, oh hidden down there. Yeah, oh. I guess there is. Yeah, are you worried about cross contamination? So yeah, it's it's um, it's a concern, but it but the but cross contamination is more of a procedural concern because you don't have to worry about yeast like going into the air, jumping, and 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 into the next fermenter. You know, we do a lot of skimming. Uh, with a with a spoon, so we do we, we do top cropping on our ales, mm-hmm. uh, and and we we you know we reserve the next batch or the the yeast for repitching in the in the next uh, the, the next batch, um, and we do skimming on the lagers. So we skim off like the the first stuff that rises. You call it the dirt skim, and it's like a, it's got a lot of proteins mixed in it. And if you get those proteins out, it's a, it's a better tasting, um, like kind of a finer tasting beer. So the danger is that you you move your spoon from an ale to a lager without cleaning and sanitizing that spoon first. Okay. That's that's how that's, so that's how you cross contaminate. Gotcha. Two two different yeast strains because um, you know and the, and the real danger is uh, a lager going to an going to an ale rather than an ale to a lager because lager lager likes to ferment at low temperature. Mm-hmm. But it loves to ferment at high temperature, right? And the the same is not true for ales. Ales won't won't ferment well at won't low temperature. Won't do much, right? Yeah. Right. So so yeah. So that's where the cross contamination concern comes from. And then and basically, you know, like you, it's it's all a matter of like training and procedures. Like you, you know, we we skim or or uh, or crop one tank at a time, and then clean and sanitize the, the spoon. So you're saying uh, that that first cleaning of the Kreuzen yep. uh, will uh, will affect the beer flavor Absolutely. in a positive way. Absolutely. I mean, that's something that simply isn't done uh, by anyone, yeah, by everyone else. Right, you, <laughs> right? Can't, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do you that can't with do a... That. Um, Yep. With a closed fermenter, yep. which is what everyone else uses. Yep. So yep. that's interesting. Huh. I that's haven't a, heard that. A, okay. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. You know, that, like they, uh, I don't know. In Germany, they, call, you know, they that I've heard I've heard brewers 
you know, like taste a taste, or I've seen brewers taste a beer, and 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 they'll be like, that's eh, a farmer beer, you know, because it because it doesn't have like a refined flavor to it, and that's just from, you know, not not taking care of it as well as you as well as you could. Is that some sort of farmer slur? It is. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a German anti-farmer slur. I, I. <laughs> Farmer beer. Farmer beer. Uh, I'm going to use that term. Bauernbier. That's what they say. <laughs> I like it. But, yeah, I mean, so, so like, basically, we have a, we have a philosophy about, about yeast. You know, so we always say the yeast are like people. Uh, they, like, they like sugar. Uh, they like to reproduce, and they, and they don't like stress. And that's what open fermentation is all about. Because the main stressor on yeast is pressure. And, and uh, like in the case of our hafevites, and our hafevitesen is a very um, uh, stress intolerant strain. So it's like the diva of all, of all yeast. And a little, bit of, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of stress, it stops putting out the nice clove and banana that you, oh. that you really want in a hafevitesen. You, and you just want to amplify that, all that flavor in a hafevitesen. And that is, you know, that's kind of the <clears throat> one exception of uh, uh, brewer's perception here it, it, in America, they always go, oh, well, if you're going to do open fer fermentation, that's just for Hefeweizens. And, uh, you know, that's not the case, right? I, yeah, I, I feel like we're, like, we're so absolutist here. Yeah, yeah. You know? like, well, we just get told something, and then we yeah, we believe it. Yeah, and it, <laughs> I mean, it helps Hefeweizen, but it also it helps any kind of yeast. Yeah, when I was at Sierra Nevada uh, doing the, the, the beer camp, you know, we came up with this. Uh, well, I bullied everyone in doing a lager, of course. <laughs> but, you know, there were other people involved, so it had to be a hoppy lager. We had to dry hop it. But uh, <laughs> they have, you know, they make this wonderful uh, Hefeweizen called Keller, Keller Weitz. Yeah. And uh, I love it. I mean, I think it's one of the best in the country. And they... Great beer. Yes. And, and they install open fermenters just to make that beer. It's the only beer they make in there. And they even had open fermenters on their pilot system that we used. Yeah. So I said, hey, you know, can we open ferment this lager? And the brewer was like, uh, huh, you know, um, we only use that for Keller Weiss. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess we could, you know, like it was kind of a revelation for him, too. And he, he was like, you know, I, let me ask the upper up. So he had to go <laughs> ask somebody. <laughs> <laughs> is it okay to make the lager? And, the, and uh, I remember he came back about an hour later, and, and we were doing a tour, and he's like, we're, we're good to go. We're going to make it in the open fermenter. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm proud to say I, uh, nice. I spurred Sierra Nevada to use their open fermenter for a lager for the first time. Man. Oh, man, I bet Sierra Nevada pale ale would be – I mean, it's an awesome beer anyway, but right? like, like open fermented would probably be – just like a notch better. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. They should find out. Yeah. They should find yeah, out. Yeah, they, yeah. Should, they should draw off some work into their, <laughs> into, into their pilot system. Yeah. Nothing to say they haven't. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? But uh, they hadn't at that point. Yeah. Man, that sounds uh, like fun. It was really incredible, actually. That's like the Willy Wonka factory of beer. This is the one in Asheville. Wow. Um, it, was, it was amazing, you know. Everything that you would have possibly want in a brewery was there. Man, I bet. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, we heard of we heard about those those open fermenters they had for uh, for Keller Weiss. So that manu the manufacturer of our our open fermenters are twenty years old. They're used. Mm -hmm. We found them in Germany, or somebody found them for us. Um, but it's the same manufacturer that manufactures those, the, the ones for uh, for Sierra. Oh yeah, I, I, I can tell you they are worried about. Well, I mean, it must be crossing. I don't know, but. The one open fermenter they make the Keller Weiss in the big one, the uh -huh. 300 barrels or whatever it is. Um, it the top of it is in a room that you're not allowed to go in. Really? And, yeah, and it had like um, you know some. It's it's all sealed off. It's you can look at it from the upstairs bar, but um, they wouldn't let us go in there. And you know, apparently it's uh, like it's a off vacuum limits. sealed room or something. It, yeah. <laughs> it seemed yeah. like it. I don't know yeah. if it was, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it seemed like there was. Well, there were some mean, rules to going in there. So our, our primary fermentation area is uh, is under positive pressure. Uh, okay. So, so we have 
net flow of air out of the room. So, uh-huh. when, so when you open the door to it, you'll feel a rush of air. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, but we're also we're also pulling out CO two from the from the bottom from the floor. Is that to keep in there anything from coming in? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, that, plus CO two is kind of dangerous. Sure. CO2 is dangerous, <laughs> right? Sure. But but yeah, you, uh, it it's, can kill. It's also like uh, just a, a small um, flow of air will will keep you know like fruit flies out. Oh, okay. Um, but if yeah, if there's too much traffic back and forth, you could you could lose that net net positive and, oh, and right. or, or if you prop the door open, you you'd lose the positive pressure, too. So so yeah, it's it's important to to be careful about it. But you know, like the the way we look at it, and this is uh, is that uh, you know humans have had like had this nine thousand year relationship with uh, brewing yeast. And the reason that we have that relationship is is that yeast uh, takes care of itself. It 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 it's uh, um, it, it protects its own source of food. Uh, number one, through the the production of croissant. Uh so the so the the foamy cap on top of a, a vigorously fermenting beer, uh, and then number two, the production of CO two. So CO two is heavier than air. Uh, and any fermenting beer is going to have a nice cap of CO2 laying on top of it, and it's it, and when it's vigorously fermenting, it's going to be pouring out over the sides of the of an open open fermenter, which is going to create another you know like breeze that that keeps anything out. Plus, you know, self preservation on the part of the fruit fly is going is going to keep it from flying into a blanket of CO2. Right, um, right, right. And and that's just. It's just something that we luckily happened into, you know, nine thousand years yeah. ago. Some of our ancestors. Yeah, for like eight eight hundred years, we didn't even know yeast existed. Yeah, exactly. Magic. God's exactly. Will. God's yeah. will, right? Yep. That's right. Yep. The stuff. Proof yeah. God loved us. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, I was reading a study. It was basically saying that because of this history, that kind of like dogs or other animal domesticated animals, humans have basically, and yeast that relationship has led to this, you know, it's, it's yeah. happened over a long time and yep. now we have this, it's really interesting when you yeah. think about it. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, that's cool. And I, and I think that's one of the things we try to do is like, try not like we know, you know, so we, we studied brewing, we know all the, all the theory behind it, but then, you know, like try not to overcomplicate it too. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, and there's still know, stuff that, you know, you just, time is the only answer to the, Totally. So the question, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, like like our so our our uh, the and the pills and the pilsner that we make, the Bohemian Pilsner. Two different beers. Two different beers. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to come up with like <laughs> maybe a little more clever name. I know you guys I know you guys are pressed for time, but it's like, no, this one's pills, this one's pilsner. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure pills is short for pilsner, Bill. <laughs> So yes, so so the idea, Pat, is is that Pilsner is a beer from the town of Pilsen, yes, and Pils is a style that came from that town that is brewed in a town that is not Pilsen. Well, this isn't Pilsen, so that's why it's a Pils. But then you have a Pilsner too, Bohemian style Pilsner. <laughs> oh my God! But, All I'm saying is. Maybe <laughs> branch out on the names. Okay, I'm not about, about, uh, I, Bill's pills. Maybe Bill's maybe pills. Well, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm just, I'm not a marketing expert, but uh, yeah, I those are in his desk. Bill's pills. <laughs> <laughs> that is not short for pills. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to keep me happy. Uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, but so that so that's an eight week beer, and it doesn't. I mean, we could we could probably release it at four weeks, but we Maybe wouldn't be ha- yeah. But we wouldn't be happy with it because good sex. We, because uh, uh, we we feel like, um, you know, highly hop thirty five IBU beer. Stop thirty five IBU. Stop. Whoa. Oh my god. Uh, it, it it just need it needs that time. Remember those for, days for all I of do. the all of the flavors to kind of balance out, and all the aspects of the beer to just to be just right. Yeah, because you get that. So we so the pill the pilsner we do a, a 
a triple decoction and we got that nice maltiness. But then that the the hops settle down, like there's a certain harshness that leaves right there between like week seven and eight. And and it's it's good to go. And like and like in in the terms of like like real, I think Czech Pilsner we're absolute sellouts because like the the real Czech Pilsners are done what for like twelve weeks. And it re- I think it I makes think a it, difference. I think it really does it does reach a peak at like 12, 12 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Do you guys think that we've finally, you know, obviously you take your loggers very serious. And <laughs> really? I think yeah. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> Seems that way anyway. But uh, you know, the craft beer world, especially in the United States, is not necessarily taking lager serious. Yep. Um, you know, despite the fact that it's incredibly hard style to brew and takes longer and all the rest of it do you feel that a corner has been turned because i mean uh loggers seem to be finally be getting you know entrance into the cool kid club here in the uh craft beer world what do you think i think so seems like um yeah yeah, there's a there's a a a bunch of like-minded people that are that are that we've met that are are uh and and heard about that are doing doing similar things also like beerstadt in uh in denver uh casey beer in uh in kansas city um we've always had metropolitan here in Metro- chicago of course you know of course yeah yep. i always like to make fun of doug you know because you know like hey look at all the attention dovetails getting <laughs> in the new lager brewery in town you guys have been doing it for seven years <laughs> no, no one's mentioning it but you know he seems to yeah. hate me every time I say that, so I think it's, I think it's working. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, talk about a talk about a ballsy move when they when they opened. Yeah, to do to do what they're doing, yeah, and they just stuck with it. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, yep. things didn't always go great for them, and uh, uh, you know, they they did not get a lot of attention. Certainly not, you know, the attention you guys got when you opened. And um, yeah, I think it was very ballsy, and and uh, yeah speaks volumes as to Doug and Tracy sticking to their guns, which yep, is what totally. they do. Yeah, totally. Um, when it, when it comes, so you guys are now over two years old, correct? Is that yep. right? Yeah. Um, so relatively young, uh, brewery have there been, it, it, maybe if you could rattle off some of the biggest challenges and successes you've had to date so far, if you don't mind. Sorry. That's a, that's a hard question. <laughs> Staying open. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Every day is a challenge yeah, for these yeah, two. Yeah, I think yeah, we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think a big challenge is uh, our pills and pilsner conundrum. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's been my biggest beer challenge education <laughs> today. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, on the on the on the production side, um, it's a it it's a it is a challenge to uh, to to take the time. That, that we've taken we tried to we tried to you know like like um uh come or defeat that challenge by having enough fermenters so we so we like we've got a lot of lager tanks downstairs we've got more tanks or more fermentation than most breweries that uh would of our size would would start with sure and we we uh we compromised by using um uh used used dairy equipment and and adapting it to uh, adapting it to our our brewing methods because we you know if you when you lay it out on paper you know you have to you have to have a certain amount of uh, fermentation available to to make these beers in the the way that we think is the right way. So, by the uh, way, to, uh, your fermenters are the traditional uh, elongated. Yep. Uh, wait, why is that the preferred? Uh, fermentation vessel for lager. For those listening, what I'm talking about is I think everyone's familiar with the stand-up conical fermenters. Yep. Um, CCVs, right? Right. Cylindrical with the with the, they've got the cone on the bottom and then yep. they're unit tanks. They're tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But yours are basically laid on their side. Yep. With no cone. Why, why is that the preferred uh, vessel for lager for lagering? We didn't have the height. <laughs> <laughs> No, but we we would have we would have done <laughs> That's it. That's true. You don't have to have the height for those. Why doesn't everyone use them? You don't. Um, it's uh, so 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 like we said, we do open fermentation. But there's another there's another step involved because you can't you can't hold a beer in in an open fermenter until it's done. So you have to transfer out 
of that open fermenter while the beer is still fermenting. So you transfer into another tank. And you could transfer into a, into a vertical, vertical tank if you, if you wanted to. Uh, but we, we choose to transfer into a horizontal lagering tank because we feel that it has, um, has advantages. Like even if we had 25, 30 foot ceilings, we would still do this fermentation in a, uh, in, in a horizontal lagering tank because of the, the same reason that we mentioned earlier, yeast stress. So, so, so uh, you, have, you have less stress uh, on the yeast as it's, as it's finishing that fermentation. Um, as it as it like improves works to improve the flavors of the beer and then every uh, there's a there's a um, uh, uh, an activity that goes on in that in in maturation that's called flocculation and everything uh, everything falls out of suspension to the to the bottom of the tank and clarifies the beer it's a lot easier to do that if you uh, or if you have a short distance to fall um, oh, okay. So, so the, the so the shorter the distance to fall, the the uh, um, uh, the better it'll happen, and the more clear your beer will be um, in, uh, in in its in its final state. Oh. Uh, so that that's a, that's another reason another reason for it. Interesting. Um, yeah, we don't have bright tanks either. We we have uh, it's a we. Our, our beer gets carbonated in those in those tanks. In the lagering tank. In the lagering tank. Yeah. Gotcha. So we sh- we let the final fermentation happen in uh, w- with a, a in a closed environment, so it actually carbonates carbonates up. Okay. Yeah. And and when you're yeast har- harvesting, you're doing that in the open fermenter anyway, open, so you exactly. don't have to worry about. I mean, I, I know a lot of the reason for the conical is to harvest yeast off the bottom and stuff like that, and yep. you guys don't have to worry about that. Right. Yeah. So we. So yeah. We. That's another another advantage of the open. Yeah. That you, and we get we get yeast in a really strong, healthy condition. Uh, yeah. In the in those open fermenters. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, I'd say back back to your point about our success and failures. I think our greatest success is that people like our beer and we keep making it. <laughs> hey. All right. Yeah. That's you yeah. know that's yeah. harder yeah, harder that's, done that's than said. Easy. You know. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. That, that is the hardest part. Really. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, and I don't mean to blow smoke, but if I had to come up with a top five brewery list in Chicago, I mean, you guys would definitely be on it. I mean, I, uh, it, you guys do awesome stuff. So, I mean, I, I just think, and when kind of appreciate going, that. Yeah, well, and I appreciate the beer. I mean, it's it's really good. It's it. I didn't understand. I think because Pat has talked about lagers since I met him, and really, uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and I I don't think I maybe understood it um you know quite as much until having some of your beer and understanding the the nuance and depth that you can have in a relatively you know in a lighter style of beer um so awesome job yeah i always say that like you know this craft beer movement has matured and literally we're all getting old and uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're, we're figuring out that like um turns out we actually have to drink this shit you know, and um, I don't know Every about day. you guys, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, like, you know, I was just up in Madison at, for the great taste and I spent the whole day uh, looking for lagers and extra pale ales. And, you know, it was 95 fucking degrees and, I, you know, I'm outside and I'm old and, you know, uh, <laughs> I just and I saw these lines for like barrel aged stouts and stuff. Oh, and I was like, well, I mean. There, you couldn't. Uh, what on earth uh, about this day makes you want to put that in your mouth? But um, you know, I think we're at a point in our lives we're more mature, and we realize that you know we want to drink uh, a lot of beer, and you just can't do it with a pastry stout or uh, barrel aged anything, or you know, all the rest of it. And uh, I always go back to lager. Yeah, so do we. You know, <laughs> you know what they say: like- <laughs> winemakers drink beer, and beer drinkers drink lager (laughs) 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 something like that maybe i'm the only one that says uh might have just made it up (laughs) brewers drink bourbon (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) liquor's quicker Uh, and and bill's pills uh and bill's pills exactly uh all right i think we have taken up enough of your brew day literally you guys are in the middle of a brew so uh, Dunkle. 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 Dunkle's coming. Oh, can't right. wait. Can't wait. Uh, let's uh, do the shameless plugs. 
Yeah. Um, you can each do a shameless plug. Sweet. Bill, let's start with you. Uh, Bill's pills, you know, it's great stuff. Do you crush it and snort it, or is this the one? You, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, he's, uh, got this, he's got this spoon with these really weird. Yeah, you know. Do I open the left drawer, the right drawer, center drawer? It's all you know, different different means to the end, but it all works. Oh my gosh! You guys have an Oktoberfest coming up. Oh yeah! Hey, hey! We are not. Great marketers. <laughs> that's, why, that's why other people do it for us. <laughs> All I'm thinking of is drugs. But yeah, October anniversary. That's oh, that's a good plug. Uh, October sixth and seventh, uh, eighteen hundred West Bell Plain Avenue. Find our delicious beers along with Beguiles, and uh, a little bit of food, a little bit of bands, a little bit of well, a lot of beer. It'll be a good time. Hopefully, it's not going to be ninety six degrees. Will you be wearing your Lederhosen? Of course. Oh, Good. Yeah. Maybe nothing else, so but something at for least the, my lederhosen. <laughs> something for the ladies. Yes. Bill and his lederhosen. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, did, did we ever tell you about the time uh, Hagen and I met? No, please. Let's hear it. Ah, oh, you have to no, come on. That's, yeah. that's, oh, that's, that's on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, actually, Does it involve lederhosen? And it, it, uh, it involved the straps of lederhosen. No. <laughs> And in a field outside of Berlin. I, I'm picturing a lot of sweaty suede. <laughs> EDM music. Yes, yes. Hagen, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you got going on? Anything? My shameless plug. You know what? I'm just going gonna, gonna to plug our tour. So if you, it has it was voted best tour, wasn't it? It was voted uh, top, top five tour by uh, USA Today. Um, and uh, we we enjoy we enjoy giving it. Um, it's every every Saturday at uh, at 11 a.m. Uh, if you feel like having a morning beer, a late morning beer, come by Dovetail Brewery, and uh, we'll we'll show you we'll show you all about all this stuff that we've been we've been talking about on the on the podcast, and we'll drink a drink a few beers on the on the tour. How do people sign up for that? Uh, you just show up. You just show up. Sh- show okay, up great. at uh, about 10:30, quarter to quarter to 11 and you'll I, I mean you realize the power of this podcast you're going to have at least two people show up that's going to be a <laughs> so I hope you can handle wait. the crowds we can't wait Bruce's dad and yeah yeah, yeah. he'll be there <laughs> it is yeah. a great tour and uh you know, for those, the, the water tasting is actually yeah. my favorite part of it. So uh, people have to come and yeah. find that out what the a, water tasting is all about. That is a good. That is a good part. So yes. we we make our own water here at, at Dovetail Brewery for our lagers, and uh, uh, come by the tour to find out what that's all about. Awesome. I I throw the oxygen. Hagen throws the hydrogen. <laughs> it's really made with Bill's tears. Uh, what? Uh, what you got going on, Bruce? What's happening yeah, with the tours? Oh, uh, man, just rocking and rolling. You know, getting ready for fall. Fall is always a good time to drink beer in Chicago. Um, but then again, what time isn't? Um, yeah, that's that's all I've got. Rocking and rolling on the tours. Awesome. How all about right. you? Uh, I am going to talk about uh, our Oktoberfest at Patty Long's, which will be our 11th uh, anniversary, our 11th Oktoberfest annual, I guess is what, what you call it. And uh, we'll have uh, brats and pretzels and, uh, of course, Big Al and his yeah. uh, uh, polka combo uh, jam the tunes. And, Big uh, Al's great. Yeah. Big Al is great. And uh, it's always a good time. September When's 22nd. That? Ooh, nice. Yes. All right. It All right. does not interfere with, what is it called? Uh, Oktoberfest anniversary. <laughs> That's right. it, yes. Oktoberfest anniversary. You could work on that name too. Uh, <laughs> actually, that one's pretty good. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't come up with it. You need a gravity cake for that thing? Uh, we did two years ago. Wasn't it good? It was the Vites and the uh, that was the Paul Lanner Vites and. Ooh, which, nice. Yeah, yeah. I've got a keg of it this year. They didn't do the gravity kegs. Ah. You know, chances are it's probably better on CO two. <laughs> right. Vites and beer. Like most beer. Yeah. Uh, so anyway I want to thank everyone for listening hopefully uh, this recording went off without a hitch Uh, like I said if it didn't you won't know because you won't have heard it Uh, please tell your friends 
listen to the Beer Opinions podcast. We can be found at beeropinions.co. We're also on uh, iTunes and yeah, rate us please. Yeah, uh, only fives though. Yes, rate us <laughs> if you like us. If you don't, forget you ever heard us. And uh, what? Uh, that's about all I got. Yeah, man. Bruce, thank you. Yeah, and uh, gentlemen, thank yeah. you again for uh, uh, re-recording this. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Really, uh, really, really too appreciate kind. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely check out Dovetail when you get a chance. Absolutely. All Sweet. right, later. 